salmon and house the bites. Starting in October, when the water was warm and fall was bringing color to the hillsides of the Mississippi River, remember that? And then the winter with a cold wind and cold water and ice that formed and then was erratically leaving and forming again. And now, in this third season, spring, we're in big-time flooding. And uh, Bob Urban from Murray Bait and Tackle on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye that I understand now is moving its tail a little bit to keep in the current. Uh, maybe we should change the name to uh, Head Above Water. Yeah, Ken, it's it's getting up there. We're at 17.49 feet. We are in flood stage, minor flood stage at 15 foot. So we're right around moderate flood stage. We will be going into major flood stage here. Oh, we're getting close to it. it. It looks like the forecast for uh, next Friday a week is about 20 foot. So a lot of folks are, are getting their stuff anchored down. Uh, Jamie, I just saw a post on landing 615. He he made a midnight run to get his float back. I don't know if you saw that, but that that got swept away, and he, he did he did get that back or retrieve that last night. So current's coming. Logs are coming. I uh, made a run up to Prairie du Chien yesterday. It's, it's just it's flood. Uh, full-blown flood mode. Everybody who's been there from 2019 on has seen this. We went to what we considered big-time floods in 2019, and we're going to be back to that level, it appears now, and maybe a little bit more. And uh, unfortunately, there are properties along the river that know they're going to be flooded. Uh, However, many of those people accept that, uh, many of us uh, work with each other to clear it out once it's down, and we go back to normal as quickly as we can. And back to normal, I'm sure, is what you're looking for. But are you seeing uh, anybody right now who's uh, coming in to fish, or are people moving into the interior rivers? Uh, what's happening? That's exactly it, Ken. Sunday was would be probably the last day we saw actual boats. It was a brutal element out there. We had a walleye tournament, the Dubuque Walleye Club fished a tournament. Um, I think Genoa had a tournament um, up there as well, and they were even debating whether having it or not. Um, we got into minor flood stage on Tuesday, and it's just been progressively getting worse. Let's talk about the stuff up north. I mean, we, we're not seeing a lot of rain here. We did get a little bit snowmelt here, but what they what they did see on those last storms is just a lot of snowfall up north, and then if it was raining, it was raining up north. So we're seeing all that stuff coming down from Minnesota, and, and it's affecting us. Just like all the stuff from us affects the Quad Cities, and I know they're having a, a hard time down there. But what we are seeing for fishermen, Ken, is we are seeing a lot of trout fishermen. We are seeing the interior rivers because nothing's wrong with them. Our rainfall here has been has been very moderate, normal spring weather. So you get the Cedar River, the Wapsie, the Maquoketa River. Um, up here we have the turkey that they're fishing a lot. And the smallmouth are hitting. Uh, walleyes they're still catching. And then we'll start getting into the panfish on those smaller lakes. A lot of guys are still going to go fishing. No matter what, you're, gonna, you're not going to tell them this time of year they're not going fishing. They're going to start going on their southern Iowa trips, their lake trips. Some of that stuff's going to start happening for their spawn down south. We did see a lot of that when we got to 80, 90 degree down there. Uh, again, the weather has been crazy this year, um, and it was really, really nice. So they are going down and, and hitting those crappie and bluegill spawn or pre-spawn bites down there as well. Well, a good fisherman's always looking for a good place to fish. 
and uh, we can't offer you much on the Mississippi now without some danger and current. For those people who are looking toward tomorrow and to enjoying spring, we have got some things for you. Now, the last one will just be the icing on the cake, so stand by here. The first is we're going to talk to Lucas Dever, a conservation officer for the Department of Natural Resources in Iowa. He uh, has as his territory, Jones and Jackson County. I interviewed him this week, Bob, and he talks about a lot of things on regulations, why there's regulations, what some of those regulations are, some of the gray areas. And you asked me to talk to him about some of these gray areas, like I believe one's called party fishing. Is there such a thing as being able to pool your catch? And he addresses that. He addresses whether you have to have a license on you, and uh, the answer is yes, but in the modern world, Bob, there's a lot of electronics that allow you to put it on your phone and things like that. So he has some very informative comments, but I think the thing I take away from Lucas is how compassionate he is, along with being a very informed and friendly guy, but very focused, Bob, on his job. The guy I wanted everybody to hear it from, because we sit here in the store and we want to talk what's legal, what's not legal, and and there are some gray areas as far as what we interpret. Um, and I want uh, wanted someone to talk about because they see it black and white. I mean, and that's the way the law reads. It's it's either this way or not that or this way. And in the store here, we get all kinds of conversation and what we feel is right, what we think is right, and then you get the Facebook uh game wardens on there that 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 they feel what they think is right but let's hear it from the actual officer and what what he heard and interpreted out in the field and uh get the real answers also for those of you who are thinking about deer uh growing them through the summer and uh harvesting them in the fall Mitch Dinmore has a company called Midwest Mass Outdoors and he sells legal products for you to use to enhance the uh, the fall grazing uh, for those deer. Very interesting. I asked Lucas about this as well, and his comment is you can grow it, you can mow it, but you can't throw it. Does that make sense to you, Bob? Yeah, during the season, I think, is what he's talking about, which is perfectly fine. Um, I like that. that. That Again, that's a gray area on, on – geez when we can do it and he simplifies it and tells you this is what you can do this is what you can do you can hunt over those food plots i believe um is what he's talking about uh we do carry all the products here and he's going to go into detail um of the mineral and then and then the food plots depending on what you wanted to do and how you wanted to treat your deer and now for those of you who really want to do something productive in this high water time we have Roberta's flowers that are the other end of Murray Bait and Tackle. And I wonder, uh, with uh, the new season here, um, what you're offering. Yeah, so we did get Kara hired, Kara Beck, um, Kara Nava worked for us here. She's going to be our manager for the nursery side of things and the garden center side of things, and she's doing a really nice job. Um, she... Uh, her and her family ordered a lot of the stuff, so we have decorative garden gift stuff, uh, really nice iron figures, metal figures. We have all the seed potatoes, onion sets, onion plants, 
Um, asparagus roots are coming in Saturday. So all the gardening stuff that we probably should have waited on till about now, um, we will have all that stuff. Plants can are coming in next week. Flowers are coming in next week. Um, the whole week will be booked up with deliveries. So, uh, we should have it back, back to looking the way Beth had it. And, uh, it's an exciting venture for, for us. And you use the, the term Roberta. I think that's what I, my name was going to be if, if I was a girl. So, um, and then when I got in trouble, that's what my grandma called me. So we can go with that. We'll run with it. I love buying flowers. Um, I love growing a garden. And it's just something about the earth that in the springtime moves me. They claim when you till the earth, there's actually some type of uh, pheromone or something given off that makes you feel good. But I can tell it. And uh, Beth always had some really nice hanging baskets and a lot of uh, soil amendments and a lot of lawn and garden things that we could use. And uh, this is a big time of year, and you're the place to go. So there's no change, right, Bob? You're going to offer everything that was offered in the past. Pretty much, yeah, Ken. We have all the soils. We have all that stuff. And, and no, I'm not saying it was a feminine thing. It's just something that I've never done before or utilized. Um, um, I said anything that I grew uh, turned brown. It, it, it is exciting. I did like I do like gardening. I do like that, some of that stuff. Just having the time for it is is uh, what I never got into. So it'll be exciting, uh, folks coming in. Uh, getting their mulch, getting their garden soils. Everything's just a little delayed this year. Uh, it seems like we're just behind, and it will be. This weekend's going to be cold again. So we'll start slowly seeing uh, folks trickle in, and then once the flowers come in next week, we'll have all that stuff, and it'll be it'll be fun seeing everybody. Bob Urban, let's get to our features here for the day. Lucas Dever from the Iowa DNR, a conservation officer, talked to me this week about uh, – regulations and the gray areas that we tend to believe one thing, but actually that's not true. Lucas, uh, of course, we're in high water right now, so there's a lot of people just kind of sitting back and wishing they could fish, uh, wishing they could do a number of things outdoors. We're we're sort of bound up, especially along the Mississippi. Yeah, the the high water's putting a damper on the fishing right now, but if you you can always go inland to some of these uh, interior streams or lakes that we have. I know down here our way, Lost Grove Lake has a great crappie population with a, you know, 10-inch uh, year class right now that's pretty strong. So it's it's pretty good action going on right now, right now down there. The walleyes on the interior rivers are still biting a little bit and the smallmouth are starting to run. So there's fish to be had if you're willing to, to go inland a little ways. Lucas, what's your philosophy on enforcement to be able to interface with the public and keep us on your side on what you're trying to accomplish with DNR? You know, first and foremost, I think it's very important that the the public gets educated. Is this a rule? Is this not a, a, a rule or law? Um, I'll have people come up and tell me that, you know, it's illegal to throw a carp back in the river because forever their grandparents told them that carp were invasive and and you can't keep those well that's not a rule or a law um, that you have to throw a carp on the bank i think it's important that education you know the education aspect first and in doing so you usually gain compliance because it's hard to follow a rule that you don't know is a rule right so once you've you've been taught something and, and 
I know that you know this, you know, then if you're breaking that rule, well, okay, you know, we'll go the next step, whether that's a warning or a citation. Uh, but I think it's important that just people knowing the rules first uh, and foremost, that that gets you compliance in, in my job. And we're all very personable uh, officers. We have a passion for the outdoors, just like many of the sportsmen, fishermen, fisherwomen of Iowa. Uh, we want to see it protected and for our future generations just as much as the next person. Uh, but at the same time, we're we're also a voice for wildlife, something that can't really talk in a sense. We're kind of the voice for them as far as protecting them uh, from the very few that uh, are out there to do them harm. What percentage of the hunters and fishermen that you know of do you think deliberately break the rules? It, it's less than 1%. I read a lot of game warden story books too, and uh, one I just got off of Amazon. Uh, he had a funny, oh, I thought it was kind of a funny fact, but in North America, there's one game warden or conservation officer for every 100,000 people. Um, and I thought that stat was kind of staggering, and then I kind of took it one more. There's one conservation officer for every 43 or 45,000 people in Iowa. So not everybody in Iowa hunts and fishes, but just for that many people, it's kind of a, makes you think about some staggering numbers there. What uh, specifically can you tell us on some things that may be a little gray for people at this point? And that's uh, limits uh, and the slot lengths um, on these fish in the state. You know, sometimes you'll catch a fish that looks pretty good, but You've got to throw it back for whatever reason DNR said. How do you come up with the determination on how many fish you can keep and how big they have to be? I've been doing this job for 13, 14 years. Obviously, a lot of these rules were in place before I even started. Uh, and that's from our biologists from many, many years ago collecting data. Uh, and it evolves over the years. You know, I've, I grew up on Pool 14 of the Mississippi River. And for as long as I can remember, we've had the, the slot limit of 20 to 27 inches and one over. And I know Guttenberg just recently got that. But our fish population, I'd put next to, next to any other one as far as size and quality goes down here. And, and I think that the biologists have done a really good job of kind of honing in on that sweet spot, if you will, that, you know, on the Mississippi River, fish in between 20 and 27 inches are the prime fish for reproduction, spawning, uh, have the best quality eggs, the highest quality success rate, uh, the, the healthier fish. And so I think they've done a good job with that. As far as limits go, somebody somewhere along the lines decided six was a sufficient number. Uh, and that probably has to do with, can you eat more than six walleyes in, in one or two sittings? Personally, probably not. It comes down to fair chase and, and ethics, too, and they've kind of rolled all that together. And they've come up with a, a pretty healthy number that, I mean, six walleyes or six saugers, is, that's a good mess of fish. Most people wouldn't need more than that. You know, is that going to affect the fish populations if, you know, everybody goes out and catches those? And they, they said, no, there should be a, you know, an infinite supply, essentially, that we would fit into. As far as uh, talking about limits goes, we can talk about 
uh, party fishing. Party fishing has kind of been one of those gray areas that people kind of don't know about, I think. As far as the law enforcement aspect goes, it's not a gray area. You get six walleyes and saugers uh, combined. So when there's three of us in the boat, it's not, we don't get 18 fish, we get six. Um, and so when you catch your, your six fish and have them in the live well, you can certainly keep fishing, but you can't be keeping uh, fish, handing them back to other people in the boat. To finish up here, Lucas, and I do appreciate you talking with us and the work that you do every day, how could the public help you if um, if they see an infraction or anything else or even things that they don't even think about? Could you tell us how we can help you do your job that helps our population of, of wildlife? First and foremost, conservation officers are funded through the Fish and Game Trust Fund, which is funded by Iowa hunters and fishermen's licensed dollars. So essentially, we work for the sportsmen and women of Iowa. You know, I'd like to tell you we're everywhere. We're always watching. You know, I cover two counties. Several of us cover uh, more than one county. We help each other out. So we can't be everywhere at once, obviously. I'd like people to think that, but it's just not true. What we get into is if you see an infraction happening, our numbers are public. You can call us. We have a tip program that you can call. You can remain anonymous if you want. A license plate, if you get a license plate, we can track down anybody with a license plate. It's kind of tough to track down a white pickup truck, so that's why the license plate, as much information, detailed information, is important. So if you see somebody shoot a deer off the road and you, you get a license plate off it, you call, you give your statement to your local officer, or you get on the TIP, tip website and enter that info in, we'll go investigate that stuff. And if it ends up uh, turning into charges, uh, cases brought forward off of it, I usually put everybody in for a TIP reward. Uh, our TIP program uh, usually has a couple meetings a year. They give out uh, checks every year or every couple months for tipsters. Uh, last year, I gave out over $1,500 in checks from the TIP board uh, based on off the of cases I made. So it's a really good program. It really helps us out. It can be anything from you watch these guys, you know, snagging fish, uh, keeping too many fish, uh, somebody that has bait, bait for deer out in the woods. You know, about anything that's a violation for us, we're interested in it. Um, and it also gives you a chance to, to talk to us. I would say 99% of the people I talk to is on good terms. And when I see a lot of these guys, they're like, like you know, I'd never met any anybody that worked for the DNR or any conservation officers before and always had a preconceived notion of what they were like. And you're not like that at all. Um, and so just kind of breaking the mold, I guess you could say, a lot of us normal guys that and normal guys and girls that, have a passion for the outdoors, and we uh, enjoy the resource as much as the next person in line. Yeah. Reach out to us. Even even if you have questions, you can reach out. In the back of the regs books and fishing regs books, uh, our numbers are public. Uh, you can reach out to us with any questions. That's part of our job. Like I said, I can't stress enough that we work for, for the sportsmen and women of Iowa, and, uh, you know, if you have questions, just ask. We're not We're not going to tell you something that's not correct. 
I got one more thing for you, and that is I have a lifetime fishing license, and it was printed out for me, but every once in a while I fail to take it with me. If I'm stopped by you and I don't have that fishing license on me, is that a violation? It's still in the code. Uh, failure to carry a fishing license or hunting license, technically, yes. You may not be of the age where your cell phone's very important to go with you, or, or maybe it is. Uh, but I would tell anybody, we accept an electronic version, too. So if you take a picture of your license, that's fine. Or if you have the app, the Go Outdoors Iowa app, uh, you can buy your licenses on, on your phone. Uh, we accept that version of your licenses. The only paper license you would really need in that case would be a deer or turkey tag and, a, I guess, a federal stamp for migratory birds. And I will also tell you, like, some guys will just look you up on the computer. I, we live in an area where, you know, there's not always Internet service either. So at least having it on your phone it gives you another option than not having the, the actual physical license on you. If you go to the app store in your phone and type in Go Outdoors Iowa, uh, it should be the first thing that pops up. It'll be the DNR emblem across it. Um, and you just download that, create or log into your account, and it'll bring everything up for you. And you can purchase your licenses. You can look at the regs. You can harvest report, uh, sunrise and sunset times. All of the things are on there, and they keep adding to it and kind of making it better. Uh, the longer we have it. So it's a nice app to have. Lucas Dever, thank you very much for what you do every day and for filling us in on some information. And we hope to talk to you and your associates with DNR in both enforcement and fisheries uh, as we move through the season. Thanks for having me, Ken. Recently, Ken talked with Mitch Dunmore of Midwest Mass Outdoors. I know we're in early spring, but let's talk about deer. Uh, a lot of people are interested in going fishing, but a lot of people, proven by the number of licenses that uh, Murray Bait and Tackle sells, definitely live for deer season. In fact, uh, a part of the opening season week, the schools are let out in our part of the world just to show you how popular it is. And joining me is Mitch Denbor, who is from... Midwest Mast. Think of the word mast and how it relates to deer. He's from Minnesota. Mitch, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. It's going to be springtime and already temperatures warming up. So as people go into spring and they think about deer season next fall, you've got to have it to where the deer have something to eat during various times of the year. And that's what you're providing. So I'd like to know more about that. I, I have uh a bunch of different mixes, you know, and they're all geared for different times. Most of mine are are geared towards the winter months. Um, reason being is for the overall herd health. It is very crucial to give your deer food during all times of, of the year, um, especially in the spring. Green up um, is very important. I understand your company's fairly young. What products did you have as you started out with Midwest Mass? So when I first started out with the company, I was doing just strictly deer mineral, making my own deer mineral, testing it out, uh, seeing, seeing what I could do to enhance not just bone growth when it comes to antlers, but as well as um, overall deer health for milk gestation of the females and, and all that stuff. Um, and then switched into food plot mixes as well. 
And the food plot mixes, of course, is what we're talking about now. And by the way, your company is Midwest Mass Outdoors. You are wanting to make people aware of what they can plant to be able to give the deer some sustenance during the fall and winter months. What products do you have that will make it to where that the the deer can be healthy, they can be vigorous, and they can be big? I have I have three products that that are geared towards hunting season in the fall as well as the winter months, the coldest part of the year. Two of those are brassic blends. Uh, brassic is a is a bulb like turnips, uh, kale, tillage radish. Those are especially my favorite because not just the amount of deer that you can attract on your land planting those, um, but that you can hold almost throughout the whole winter and, and give them everything they need to withstand the cold weather, especially in north um, and, and down into Iowa. So that's that's crucial for those those two types. Then I have a oats and winter peas mix that also is very works very well in the colder part of the year. What type of tillage is required to get these in the ground, and do you need a special type of cedar for them? Me personally, I go ahead, if I was going to plant any one of my, my four mixes, I would go ahead and kill it at least twice, um, the area that I'm anticipating on planting, get a soil test, and depending on that, you know, uh, boost my soil however it needs to be boosted. But realistically, you can either throw and grow it or you can till it. It doesn't matter um, as long as you kill the area that you're going to plant. You know, so you don't need that much equipment if you if you can't if you don't have it readily available. Well, I'm thinking that a small no-till drill or what we call a pasture drill might be ideal for this to put these in without any tillage. You're suggesting just disking that ground a couple of times first before you plant. I only till it once, and that is right before I'm going to plant. I have done the no-till method. Um, with my products, it works just as well as tilling it. You know, I encourage people that, you know, if they're worried about the equipment part of it, that it's, it's no problem doing a no-till. I personally only till once, and that's because I don't want to work the soil up too much. And you recommend it rain after you plant? Yes. Yep, that is correct. And do you have any control over that? Do you have a... Uh phone line to anybody that can make it rain if you do we'd like to know the number <laughs> right i wish like last year we had a heck of a drought um but for some reason i got really lucky and all my plots were still very very vibrant i'm interested in how the, these animals will eat a plant that appears to not be too native to them let's take the turnips and the radishes that farmers are planting now as cover crops do loosen up that soil but I'm getting a lot of reports that uh, deer eat those without any hesitation. Yeah, that is correct. And I'm, I'm glad you asked this question because it's asked a lot to me as well. It's hard because if, if your deer have seen any type of brassic plant before um, and know what they are, they will hit them very hard. Here's the thing. I have run into uh, a decent amount of people that have told me that they've planted brassics. They've gotten, you know, it's been an outstanding planting. Um, but the deer didn't touch them or they touched them way later than they wanted them to when it comes to hunting over the plot. Um, what I encourage people to do if they have that problem is actually go ahead and any brassic plant 
planting that you're planting, what you do is put, if you would have an acre um, food plot, you'd go ahead and plant your brassics. You'd also plant with your brassics at the same time, soybeans, okay? That'll get those deer established in that plot by coming in, nipping off the, the tops of the soybeans, and then getting introduced to those bulb plants, those brassic plants. And then from there on, um, it's all over. You know, and that's why I tell people with the brassic part of it, especially is to plant those brassics in August, beginning of August is when I plant. Now, the reason I do that is because first of all, I do not want my brassics getting too big and too woody. Um, they become unpalatable to the deer if they get too mature. So by planting it at that date, um, especially up here in the north, you're looking at a very, very tender plant during September and on through the winter. Okay. Plus, I don't want my deer eating it when they already have enough to browse on when it comes to summer months, you know, with eating all the alfalfa and corn and everything else that we have readily available for them. So realistically, I'm gearing it all towards um, being irresistible dur during that September and past. How can people get the products that you have, Mitch? All my products are available, um, you know, in the, in the tri-state areas of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Such as Murray Bait and Tackle under the big walleye on the south end of Guttenberg, right? That is correct. Yep. <laughs> under the name of Midwest Mass Outdoors. I know that I spoke a lot about the uh, overall health during the winter, but I do have some mixes that are geared towards summer clover mixes and stuff like that so it's kind of um with me it's a one-stop shop when it comes to deer mineral as well as food plot seed um and and i encourage people to to put my products out against um anybody else's that they've tried out just to see what what they think of it what size bags does this come in so my my acre bags of the brassic blend are an eight pound bag my acre bag of the clover is a nine pound bag. And then I have a quarter acre bag of winter peas and oats. That is a 20 pound bag. Even though it's spring, we think about deer all year round. And if you're going to get big deer for fall, they need to have vegetation all year long. And uh, we can help a little bit in this regard. So Mitch, I appreciate you talking to us very much. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that's it for this week, Bob, and uh, I am headed back to Iowa, so I'm going to drive into that uh, flooded area, and um, I hope you get a lot of people in. Uh, maybe they want to talk fishing, but hopefully they want to buy some of your floral plants and things for their garden. Yeah, Ken, it'll be a nice weekend for that the next couple weeks, so we're excited to see everybody. Thanks again, and we're excited to see you guys when you get back. Safe travels. Thank you very much. So drop by. Murray's Outdoor, everything for lawn and garden and flowers and for your fishing needs whenever we can put a line in the water again. It's on the south end of Guttenberg. Is the walleye underwater at all or is he still okay? Ken, if, that, if the walleye gets wet, we're in, we're in serious trouble. So. <laughs> Have a good weekend, Bob. Yep, you too, Ken.